Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. I have a question. What do you think about when I say the word quit? You may think something negative. Say my guest is going to change your mind. My guest is Dr. Stanley Robson, the author of the book, Quit the Last Principle of Excess. He's an author, coach, father. Now I know he's a grandfather. He's the man with the cool hat. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Stan. Hey, thank you, Joe. I appreciate you having me. You know, it, it, it's funny. I, I got to ask a simple question. And sitting around the dinner table at a holiday, um, and they really, people know you as the quit doctor. Do they get any strange responses? Like, wow, what does that mean? I get strange responses all the time. As a matter of fact, um, I get not only strange responses, but I get pushback. People do not like the word quit. That is a problem. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it, it can mean a negative thing. It means something negative, but it could be something positive, too. And um, what, what, is, what is the word quit? What does it mean to you? Well, for me, the idea of quitting means freeing yourself. In fact, um, I've done a lot of studies and a lot of research on the idea of quitting, and there is a technical term for this concept. The, the technical term for the notion of quitting is goal disengagement. So when researchers are studying the issue in terms of why people quit things, why people are reluctant to quit things, what they've determined is that the if you look at it from the standpoint of goal disengagement, what it really means is that you give up something that is not working so that you can re-engage yourself to something that does work. So that is what we mean by quitting for me. Now, most people, quitting means loser. It's a negative, negative thing put on that word, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem right. Well, it's not right. As a matter of fact, it's, it's very wrong. You know, what we've done as a nation is we've taken this idea of quitting. You know, we have all of these uh, mantras, all of these sayings and slogans like winners never quit and quitters never win. But that is actually a fallacy. It's a total myth. It's just wrong because successful people quit all the time. Uh, we know that uh, Michael Jordan quit baseball and won a three-peat in basketball. We also know that The Rock quit wrestling and became a superstar action hero. And Schwarzenegger quit being an action hero and became a governor. So we know that highly successful people quit things. They quit things fast and they quit things often. So this idea that winners never quit is a myth. It's one thing I got to ask a question because you are the quit doctor and you must have this conversation. I know you have three kids. How many boys, two girls? What did you uh, Two girls, one boy. Have you had that conversation like about quitting and how did that go? I did. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, that's how I came up with my concept for the book quit is I was having a conversation with my son, my son, uh, he's a Marine Corps officer. And he was approaching the end of his first tour of duty. And he called me up and he said, Dad, I'm thinking about getting out of the Marine Corps because, you know, I, I'm not sure if I want to reenlist or not. So what I told him, which is the same thing that many people are, were telling him, and that is that you should not quit. You need to stay in. You've got to reenlist. There's great benefits to being a Marine Corps officer. There's prestige. You've got your housing. You've got your food. Uh, allowance paid for. Um, you get to travel all over the world. 
you're only 23 years old, you can retire, you're 42, 43, and you're set for life. So that's the advice I continue to give him. But what I recognized is that I was giving him advice based on my thinking, based on what I thought was good. However, I realized that maybe he doesn't want to be a Marine officer for 20 years. And if that's the case, he should not do it. So um, I was thinking about this. In fact, I was asleep that night. And in the middle of the night, I woke up and one word came to me, and that was quit. And that's when I recognized, like, wow, he should quit. If he does not want to be a Marine Corps officer, he shouldn't do it. And then I realized that what we do as a society is we pressure people. So I've came up with this new term. You know how um, we're familiar with this concept of fat shaming? So yeah. we, So now I've come up with this thing now that I'm referring to as quit shaming. So in other words, quit shaming means that we talk to people in such a way that we dissuade them from quitting. In other words, we look at that as a bad thing. So therefore, they are bad people because they quit things. So I think that is a real problem. But that's the conversation that I had with my son. And as I mentioned, that's how I actually did, came up with the concept itself. Have you any personal experience yourself, maybe going through life as going to school, business, anything personal that, that you feel like, wow, I'm not liking the avenue I'm going and um, I think I should quit this? Yeah, I had a big problem. I was actually in the Marine Corps myself uh, some time ago. And when I was younger, I was growing up, I lived uh, on the south side of Chicago in, uh, in the hood, as you might say. And one day I was walking down the street, this car pulls up alongside me and the, and the guy in the car yells out the window and he says, oh, you know, he says something about where, where, are, you, are, you, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Mississippi because uh, I was, had just come to Chicago recently. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, me too. Right. And he starts asking me all these questions. So I get in the car and I, I ride with the guy, which is a very bad thing to do uh, when you're uh, a teenager. Uh, but I recognized that this guy was um, some sort of predator or something. Uh, so that is one thing that I needed to make sure that I quit doing that I'd never do ever. And that is get in the car with a stranger. So I get out of the car. When I get out of the car, um, there's this guy on the corner. Um, this is this is was the time when there was when uh, VC V VCRs was um, is it VC VHS. So like you know the VHS movie. So you you use these VHS. So they had VHS players, and this guy was selling a VHS player. I had come from work, and then, you know it was like two hundred dollars. So I give him two hundred dollars for the VHS player. I take it home. I open it up to you know, and I'm I'm pretty excited about this, right? Uh, so I, I open the box up to plug it in, and it's a box of bricks. Now, this is very traumatic, right? So for me, how do I recover? Well, I have to go and steal something to make up for the VCR that the guy stole from me. This puts me on a path of becoming a thief. Uh, long story short, when I went to the Marine Corps, I continued that profession as a petty thief. And uh, as you might imagine, that didn't go over so well with the Marine Corps. I found that out pretty quick. When they, um, they stripped me of my stripes, threw my butt in the brig, and I ended up having to quit that type of activity. And I had to think long and hard, but eventually I did. So I was able to quit that, but I had to replace that with something else. So what I did is I ended up going to school. So I went to college, and that's when I got my accounting degree. I, I got my um, law degree and eventually got my doctorate degree. But I had to quit a certain lifestyle, a certain mindset 
And this is a mindset that I had had from from when I was a kid. It's um, it's you had to change your ways to improve your life. Absolutely. And, and, and the other thing is when you do change, and this is one of the things that I talk about in, in my, um, I developed this four-step process, which, which we may talk about later if, if, we, if we get to that. But one of the things that you must do if you're going to be successful when you quit things is you have to re-engage to something else. In other words, you have to create a new goal for yourself. Well, it's like a job. Like you like a dead-end job or you just feel like in the morning and the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. You get like, oh, I got to do it again. And and then the point they're like, oh, is that is that the time to quit, or is it really for me? Or at the point that you don't want to get in the car and you're about to cry. I mean, seriously, another round, man. A man can cry. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I mean, you can be like his shit, like, oh man, I don't want to do this again. So is it, is that the time to quit? That is not the time to quit. So there are times when you should quit. There are times when you should not quit. Now, what you just described, there's a couple of things going on in that scenario. One is that the person is getting up in the morning and, and they, they're tired. You know, they just don't want to go to work that day. That's one scenario. The second scenario uh, in your description is that the person just dreads doing it. In, in other words, it, it may be impacting them, their, their mental health, their physical health. Now, those are two separate things. If the person, on the one hand, it's just they're getting up in the morning and, and they hit the snooze button because they don't feel like getting up. They're tired. That is a time when you should not. quit. So they're on the list of things when you should not quit at the top of that list. You should not quit something just because it's hard or just because you don't feel like doing it. That is not when you should quit because that builds character. That helps you uh, do the things that you want to do. That helps propel you to success by pushing through on those times just because you feel tired or you just don't want to do it. Uh, on the other hand, if the scenario is you don't want to do it because you dread doing this, it is impacting your physical and your mental health, that is a time when you should quit. Well, how would just somebody explore, like, would they go like, like a sheet, the pros and cons? The pro that I, I'm paying my bills, the cons, it's a take an effect on my health, and go down the whole list. It's something like, Maybe a practice like that or something like that? I think that's a very good practice. I think that's exactly what the person ought to do. But what they should do, let's say they make this list and they determine that this is how it's impacting my health in a negative way. Uh, but, but on the positive side, you know, I'm, I'm able to be responsible and take care of my family. Well, that's what dads do, right? So you mm -hmm. should do that. Uh, but once you make that list, you don't want to be doing something that is going to negatively impact your health, whether physical or mental, because obviously the whole point of working is so that you can have a good life. You can be happy, healthy and successful, which you're not going to be if your health is uh, failing you. So what that person ought to do once they make that list and they determine this is negatively impacting my health, then that person should think about quitting that job, for example, if, if that's what we're talking about. That person yeah. ought to think about quitting that job. However, there are steps they should go through before they quit the job. So if you're a dad and you're working, you should not just quit the job, even though it's impacting your health. What you ought to do is find another job first. Find a way to replace that income. In other words, never quit one job or never give up one income stream until you replace it with another uh, income stream. Have you any stories that you could share besides your personal life and your son about quitting, about um, any stories you'd like to share? 
Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll give you two quick stories if, if we have time. Yes. One, okay. So one is from a business perspective and one is from a relationship perspective. Um, so let's, I'll just share the business one just real quick. Um, we're all familiar with, with the Ringling Brothers Circus. And last year, Ringling Brothers went out of business after being in business for 146 years. Wow. Uh, the reason Ringling Brothers went out of business is the animal rights activists were um, coming down on them because they said that they were abusing the animals, and in particular, how they treated elephants. Ringling Brothers said that they would not give up the elephants because the elephants and the uh, animals in general was so integral to the circus. In other words, you can't have a circus without elephants. Well, that's what Ringling Brothers thought. But we know that that's not true because Cirque du Soleil is wildly successful and they never use animals. So what happened is Ringling Brothers end up being tied up in court for 14 years, cost them $26 million, and they ultimately went out of business. And when they talked to them, they said, well, you know, we couldn't give up using animals. But what the problem is, all Ringling Brothers had to do is quit using animals in the circus and they would still be in business today. It's funny. I didn't really hear it, it. Didn't really hear much about that in the news, or maybe I just forgot about it. Well, it was it was pretty low key in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of news coverage. Uh, but yeah, this this just happened last year. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, and and um, again, they had been in business one hundred and forty six years, and they uh, all they had to do was quit using animals in the circus, but they could not bring themselves to do it. That's um, it's interesting. I know. I remember hearing like you know animal abuse. I didn't hear about that. What was the other story about relationships? Uh, so there's this young woman that I know who lives out in uh, Southern California, and her name is Nicole. Uh, she was married, and her um, Nicole was actually overweight, so she said that she had been fat-shamed, not only by the public, but actually by her husband. Uh, one day after she had had a, a baby, her husband comes into the bedroom, reaches down. Um, she's sitting on the bed, and, you know, the excess skin after the baby is delivered, he kind of lifts you know, lift the skin up and says, do you think I could be attracted to that? Now, this is his wife that this guy's talking to. This is obviously a very toxic situation for her, but she could not divorce the guy. She could not quit that relationship because of her emotional attachment to that particular individual. Now, eventually she did. After she quit the relationship, she gave up the marriage. She lost all the weight. She became very healthy, very happy. She became an author and she teaches yoga. So she became a very successful individual. Her, her self-esteem skyrocketed um, all because she was able to give up that relationship. And one of the problems with, with us in general, in, in terms of relationships and in particular marriage, is that, again, we are quit shamed. In other words, if you quit a marriage, people look at you in a negative way, like there's something wrong with you. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. I never really, I never really thought of it that way. I mean, honest, be honest with you. I mean, I never thought about quitting. I'm always told to finish what you start, and and always finish what you start doing, no matter what. And if, and that's in that's because you don't quit. If you don't, if you don't, don't start it if you don't want to do it. I mean, it's like it, it's like when kids at school and they start sports. You know, the the kids like, well, I'm going to start and play baseball, for example, and it goes to and to practice. I don't want to do it, or I'm not not saying to practice. I say more like three or four games he committed and they're putting all that practice in and he's committed to finish the season and just quits. I mean, I, I, my opinion as a father, I would say at least finish out the season, at least because they put that time in, finish out the season, then quit. We know you didn't like to do it. You don't have to do it again. That's what, yeah. I, and that's what most parents would say. 
That's what I was telling my son, who said I wanted to quit being a Marine Corps officer. Um, he, he actually ended up um, re-enlisting, so uh, he's, he stayed in the Marine Corps. But um, I didn't know at the time, you know, we were having a discussion. But that was the advice I was giving him. No, don't quit. Don't, you know, you just stick it out. Just stick it out. Just do it for the next uh, 17 years and you'll be great. Well, <laughs> is, it, is that really the best advice? Because if your child is doing something that they don't want to be doing, then they, you may be squashing their potential. You may be squashing their creativity, their talent, their ability to do something else. If that, if that kid is playing baseball and he has played enough games where he realizes this is not something that I want to be doing, this is not something that I'm, I'm good at, he may be better at football or basketball or soccer, mm -hmm. but he can't find that out because we are forcing him or we are insisting that he stick with this other thing that's really not working for him. So I, I don't know that that's the best advice. Now, I'm not saying that the, that the kids should, you know, like you said, oh, okay, they play one game, two games, and then they quit. Uh, so we should probably encourage them to stick to things that, that they start, but we should not insist on it. If that kid knows that this is just not something for me, that kid is going to be better at doing something else. I, I mean, that other thing could be poetry. It could be dancing. It could be, be anything. Um, so why should we stifle them? And in fact, with our children, that is the time where they should be exploring things. Exactly, exactly. Another thing I like to maybe it's a good transition is um, if we can get to the four-step process, how to be a successful quitter. Because, you know, that sounds very interesting, being a successful quitter. And I think you're, um, I'd like to hear more about it if you like to share. Oh, sure. So what I did is um, I've read every book that I could find, and I've studied every theory that I could get my hands on in relation to the idea of quitting. and I was able to boil everything down to four simple steps. So what I did is I used QUIT, the word QUIT, Q-U-I-T, as an acronym to sum up uh, my four-step process on how to be a successful quitter. In other words, how can you, even if you quit things, it's going to lead to more success and a better life for yourself, uh, more happiness. Because what we know is that if you are doing things that you don't want to be doing, it's going to cause you stress, and stress impacts the body in negative ways. Uh, so my four-step process, Q-U-I-T, Q is for quit quickly, quit quickly. In other words, as soon as you recognize something does not work, you should quit the thing immediately. That's what successful people do. That's what wealthy people do. Uh, Ringling Brothers, for example, it took them 14 years, and they still wouldn't give it up. They should have recognized immediately that this is not going to work. Animals are no longer viable. Let's think of some alternatives. Uh, and, and I want to give you just another quick example of that. Uh, the Vietnam War, uh, when we engaged in the Vietnam War, the United States had came up with this theory. It's called the domino theory. And mm -hmm. the domino theory said that if we can bring down the North Vietnamese, then that can bring down another communist regime and then another one and another one. So it's like the dominoes. And uh, we would then collapse communism around the world. Well, we got sucked into Vietnam, but we know it, things went bad very quickly. So when things started to go bad, the uh, president at that time, LBJ, he would not give up that effort. The advisors told him that um, it's going bad. Our soldiers, we're losing. We, this is a no-win situation. Our soldiers are being demoralized. His reaction was, 
if we pull out now, Americans will be looked at as losers. And American cannot be a loser. And besides that, all the laws we have life, all the lives that have been lost before would have been lost in vain. Well, this is ridiculous. No matter how many more lives you lose, it's not going to bring back the other lives. So it, it really doesn't make any sense if you think about it. It sounds like more of an ego thing than anything else. I mean, for um, the president, an ego. Yeah, ego comes into play. Um, in fact, that is the second step in my four-step process. So Q is quit quickly. As soon as you recognize it's not working, you ought to give it up and then refocus your efforts onto something more productive. The U is to understand the negative emotions. So what we recognize is there are some negative emotions. As you mentioned, one of those things is maybe your ego. Your ego prevents you from giving up things that you ought to give up. Uh, the same as we mentioned, like with, uh, with a marriage, there's some emotional attachment in that relationship that makes you hold on to it, even though it's a toxic relationship. So if we understand how these negative emotions come into play, we can free ourselves to be able to quit those things that are not working for us. So that's the you. You. Okay. What is the, the I? I. I. So Q quits quickly. You understand those negative emotions. I is initiate new goals. So when you quit something, you should not just stop doing it. You should come up with a new goal. In other words, if you quit a job, you need to replace that income, whether it's with a new job, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's uh, investments, whether it's a franchise or whatever the case might be. So once you give up those, that goal, you need to initiate some new goal. And that's what puts you on the path to success. Um, if you initiate a new goal, it also makes it easier to let go of the old goal. So in a relationship, you see, if you have a relationship and you know that you can find another person that you can be happy with, it'll make it easier for you to let go of the first person. Because the problem is, emotionally, you think you're never going to be happy. There's a, there's a problem with that. So that, that's the, that's the um, I, initiate a new goal. Is it, how would somebody like with it go initiating your goal? Like you said, looking for a new person, uh, how to replace it. Would it be any tips on how to do that? Maybe sure. um, ideas? Yeah, yeah. There are some things that, that a person can do in order to initiate uh, new goals for themselves. Um, just uh, the, 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 briefly, the short version of that. Um, first thing that that person ought to do is evaluate their, their life or whatever the situation is. They ought to be thinking about what is it that I want to be doing? What is my, uh, some people may call it my purpose in life or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. So you need to think about that. Once you think about that, then that can help you create those new goals. One of the things you got to do if you're going to create new goals is you, you should write them down. Now, we've heard this many times people say that, uh, but they've done studies on this. And what they found in relation to creating these new goals is that um, in this particular study, they took two groups of people. One of the groups, they said to that, to that first group, we want you to um, write the goals down. The second group, of course, uh, did not write the goals. Eventually, what they found is that our brains are set in such a way that when we write something down, we take ownership. So in this particular study, they, they, they studied these group of businesswomen. And the, the, the one group, um, no, strike that, they studied a group of college students. The first group, they uh, gave a chocolate bar. And all the students loved, so they loved chocolate. They gave them a chocolate bar. And then they gave them, they took a, 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 
a mug, a school mug, you know, with the school logo. And they said, if you give up the chocolate bar, we'll give you the school mug. Nobody gave up the chocolate bar. Then they took a second group. They gave them the school mug. And then they said, if you give up the mug, we'll give you the chocolate. Nobody gave up the mug. So what they found is that it was nobody, it wasn't important what they liked or disliked. What was important is the fact that they owned it, that they had it. So the group who they gave the chocolate would not give up the chocolate. The group who they gave the mug would not give up the mug. So they determined that in order to, they determined that if we are going to, um, to, to create goals, what we ought to do, if you write the goal down, your brain processes that as if it already owns it. And once you process it as I already own it, then you become much more reluctant to give it up. In other words, you're going to work harder to accomplish that thing. So that's one of the things that we ought to do um, when we're trying to create our goals is write the thing down, even if it's just jotting it down, because your brain is going to work much harder to try to achieve it. Um, the last letter T, what does that stand for? The, the T stands for transform your behavior. And transform your behavior means that if you're doing something and you are trying to quit doing that so that you can re-engage those energies into something else, you can't keep doing the same thing that you were doing before. Because if you continue doing the same thing you were doing before, then obviously you're not going to be able to make new things happen and better things happen for yourself. So the um, T is to transform your behavior. So there's things that you ought to do in order to start doing other things. It's going to make you more successful. It's going to make you more competent in your field. Wrapping up, I guess we'll wrap it up in final thoughts. Anything you want to give um, advice for people about quitting and maybe maybe tell it to the dads or moms? Well, um, just a couple of things real, real briefly. As far as dads go, I think that dads, there's many things that dads ought to quit. Uh, we ought to quit thinking that the mom should dress the kid. We ought to quit thinking that the mom ought to um, t uh, bathe the kid. We ought to quit thinking that the mom should cook uh, dinner, for example. We ought to quit thinking that mom should braid hair. I, you know, I've got two girls. I, I, I braided and I combed my girls' <laughs> hair their entire lives. Uh, so, in fact, uh, my wife's sisters, they tease her because they say, oh, he, their dad grew their hair. Well, well, I, that doesn't that doesn't go over too well with my wife. So, you know, I, I hope she don't hear this. So, <laughs> But in any case, dads ought to be thoroughly involved with, with their children. So you ought to quit thinking that nurturing the child is the mother's responsibility. And we ought to be in there just as much as the mom and even more so. We ought to we ought to quit thinking that it's their job to take them to soccer and dance class and so forth. And, and the last thing that I, that I would mention real quick is that just the idea of quitting itself, we need to stop thinking of quitting as a negative thing. In other words, there's some emotions attached to this idea of quitting. If we can free ourselves from this stigma or the connotation around the concept of quitting, then we'll be able to stop doing things that don't work, re-engage ourselves to the things that do work. That's going to make us more happy. That's going to make us more successful uh, in life. Um, also, where they connect with you and where they can find your book. Yeah, my, um, you can buy my book. It's called Quit, The Last Principle of Success. It's on uh, Amazon.com or any other online booksellers. Uh, oh, but you can also visit me at my website, which is 
thequitdoctor.com. And I have a bunch of other stuff there that uh, people may be interested in. Thequitdoctor.com. Well, Dr. Stan, thank you so much for being on the podcast this evening, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.